Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Friday. Lots to get into in the next hour and a half before we give you up to the Rangers. We got some Dallas Cowboys sound from the end of training camp getting ready for their game against the Seahawks on Saturday. We're going to be talking to Eddie Cross from Fight Night, talking about the big UFC 292 that is happening and all the news across the MMA world. Sark talked to the media today before their second scrimmage. We'll get into that. We also uh, will have some 512 Friday for you, a couple different stories. Of course, Patrick's big fat poll of the day, and a whole lot more coming up for you if you want to join the conversation. 512 337 3776. That's 512 337 3776. Is the Specs text line how you can play along with us here on the Sports Complex today? Uh, this has been, uh, it's been a long day so far. Not a bad day. It started off a little bad. But I want to give you a frame of mind of how my day started. So if today I seem off at any point, you can say, okay, we know where it came from from the beginning. Which is I did yesterday was cleaning up and trying to get, you know, you just did laundry, got some things ready, ready for the weekend. And uh, doing laundry, clean everything up. And so this morning, get up, ready to attack the day, got an 11 o'clock meeting. So you're just trying to get things ready, get stuff before I get to work. Doing some stuff on the computer, go take a shower, open the shower. Completely forget that I had washed the towels, which meant I'm now soaking wet, no towels except in my room, and I'm going to have to make the decision of how wet am I about to get this house, and I've now allowed to put in myself, well, guess who gets to clean the bathroom floor this morning uh, that was not planned? That is how my day started off. Uh, have you ever forgotten the towel? It's a, it's a very annoying moment. Take a nice shower in the morning, you're like ready to attack the day, and as soon as that that shower curtain opens up. And you realize your mistake, that there's no towel in that bathroom. It's a devastating moment. If you watched the, tech, uh, if you watched the Philadelphia Eagles versus Cleveland Browns last night, uh, you saw the scary moment with Moro Ojimo. Uh, all reports, the statement put out today by the Philadelphia Eagles is that they just took a lot of precaution. He has suffered a concussion, but he, is, he should be okay and have a full recovery. Uh, but they were taking an abundance of caution. So if you watched that last night and did not follow up on how Moro Ojimo is doing, uh, former Texas Longhorn. He is doing okay. They say it's okay. It's a concussion. Uh, but they want to take full precaution with anything that's a head injury. And I think this is going to be more of a common theme you see this year is that they are going to very much try to take very special care of anything to make sure nothing gets worse. And I, I you know, it's partly the, you know, what you saw with the Bills last year. And then it's partly with Tua, I think, too, where they say, well, maybe if we took a little bit better care of his concussion, that story wouldn't have gotten as big. Because we all know the NFL, they care about their players a little bit, but they care about their money more. And so the story is that they don't want to get up. If you're keeping score, Michael Brantley did his second rehab assignment with Sugarland, played seven innings in the outfield, went one and four with an RBI single, looked okay, got contact, playing well. It is minor league pitching, so you'd like him to do a little bit better, but he is, he is playing in the field. He's playing there. This is a hope that the the Astros are going to be able to get Michael Brantley back, possibly before that Rangers series at the beginning of September. Maybe that's too soon, but we'll see. That will be my guess of when they might want to try and bring him back is around the beginning of the month. Uh, I believe early September is the first Monday in September is going to be when the Astros play the Rangers uh, for that last series. So I could believe they could pull him up for that one. It's going to be a big one. They're in a big one this weekend as well, playing the Mariners. Mariners only three and a half games back from the Astros, so that is going to be a big game. Uh, this 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 big series this weekend to watch. 
Uh, Yanir Diaz actually going to be playing first base today. They put Singleton at DH and Yanir Diaz at first base. I've been wanting to see this, if Yanir Diaz can play some first base defensively because if Brantley comes back, that DH spot becomes different. And With Maldonado there, it, it's just a very big – there's a lot of juggling that Dusty Baker's going to have to do because Yanir Diaz is one of the hottest bats the Astros have going. And if you want to put Maldonado behind the plate for the pitchers – and Michael Brantley is back, so you know him or Jordan is going to be in the field, and one's going to be the DH. I don't know where that leaves Yanni or Diaz, but we know with Jose Abreu currently out with injury, all right, let's put him at first and see if he can do it because you may switch out if Jose Abreu doesn't get going. Yanni or Diaz may come in, play at some at first, play some at catcher, and just move around a little bit. But we'll see how he does tonight uh, playing against the Mariners. And if you're following USA Men's Basketball for FIBA World Cup, that starts at the end of the month or early September is when they could play their first actual game. They'll be doing a warm-up. They're now 4-0. They beat Greece 108-86. Anthony Edwards, your leading scorer in that game. All right. Let's get on to some Cowboys. And the Cowboys spoke to the media. They're done with training camp in Oxnard. They are coming back to Dallas. So uh, a lot of the some of the players, we got some Dak sound, we have some uh, Dan Quinn sound, and a little bit of Mike McCarthy because I want to illustrate a point that I've talked about before about how I just don't see Mike McCarthy as the leader of this team right now. And I know they keep saying Dak Prescott's going to be the leader. And Dak Prescott sounds more like a leader in these clips than Mike McCarthy does, to be honest. But when we heard Mike McCarthy come out after the first preseason game and say he was so swamped by play-calling duties that he couldn't really do anything else, he couldn't watch how the players were performing, he couldn't watch the defense, it makes you, it makes you wonder a little bit more about what Mike McCarthy is going to be able to do this season if he's going to be able to handle the head coaching duties. And is he, now, is he more or less head coach in name only? And in reality, he handles the offense, Dan Quinn handles the defense. But, of course, a big story that came out of camp at the end of camp was the fights that broke out and Micah Parsons swinging punches and everybody having to tell Micah Parsons, fist versus helmet, helmet's going to win. But I want to play you two clips of Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn talking about fights. And I believe it will further illustrate my point of why I believe one of them is in line to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't have a lot of faith in the other one. And in reality, Dan Quinn may be saving Mike McCarthy's job, but I don't know how long that'll last. Here's Mike McCarthy when they asked him about the fights in practice and what he thought going forward. No, I mean it's it's definitely part of a competitive environment. I mean I'm I'm all I'm all for the fighting, um, but you know as long as you don't cross the line, I, I think you know really the message. You know, to the team is you, you just can't throw punches. I mean, I, I mean, we all understand what the rules of the game are. I mean, uh, so you throw a punch, you're out of the game. You know, you're, you're 48 man roster uh, on game day, so uh, you can't ask your team to be super competitive and push the envelope, and, and not to think you're going to have situations where we're, you know, we're crossing the line. And uh, definitely uh, was provoked by the media yesterday, but we overcame it, and we only got two guys thrown out of the game. So, no, but, you know, you can't, you can't throw punches. And that's the biggest message that came out of yesterday. So, uh, love, I'm all for it. I think a good, healthy skirmish is healthy. Um, you know, conflict is good. You know, it's all part of how we train. But, you know, we, we don't want the bull, you know, the, the BS and, 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 and any of that stuff that's unnecessary. And at the end of the day, you just can't throw a punch. So that's Mike McCarthy addressing the fights. I don't care. I like a fight. But you can't throw a punch. That's Mike McCarthy addressing fights. That's that's it. It's not terrible. He's not, you know, he's not playing into the narrative that there's there's you know that there's divide between offense and defense. He's not that there's any problems in camp. It's just fights, and that's good. Get that energy up, right? He's fine. Let me play Dan Quinn when he was asked the same question, basically about the fights at camp, and tell me if you can hear the difference like I can. If you're hearing the same thing I'm hearing of one of these guys sounding like a leader and the other guy sounding not so much. You know, regarding the fights, the, the topic I discussed with them yesterday, you really are trying to find an edge. And sometimes when you're finding it, you have to go off it to see how far I can really, you know, push it to go. So you, you have to fall off the cliff some to find where your edge is. But those are the moments that you do it in practice to find not not just fighting. I'm saying the real speed, the real competitiveness. Uh, we do have to take care of one another. And uh, at the end of it, that's 
our bond to one another and we push each other to get better. And the old phrase of, you know, iron sharpening iron, I think that's so true for a football team in a training camp setting to say, we are on that space together, but can we push one another to really see how good we can get? And so moments like that, when you go over, that's fighting. You know, you fell off the cliff. You, you went to the edge too far. But there was lots of plays yesterday that were really competitive, going as hard as you can, safely done. And those moments are important, too, because that's where you find where I can set that edge, too, of how I compete and how I go. And um, I think if you asked all the players, they, they would agree that days like that where the competition is really at its most intense in a controlled environment, we all need that. And um, I thought that was a good example of that yesterday. But getting back to your original question of it, it's, um, it's something that you have to talk about every day. You know, it's not, okay, we just add one player, add one thing. I think the standard and the energy that a team can play with, um, that's at the top of the pile, the top of the list, and you had better make it part of our identity. So every time our friends and family and fans watch us play, they say these guys get it on, and you can't take a day off from that. There you go. All right. So we have Mike McCarthy. His answer is don't throw punches. That's what we got out of it. And Dan Quinn says, you know, you have to play on the edge. You have to be on the edge. The verge of as much effort and intensity as you can put in, and sometimes to find that edge, you have to go over, and that's when those fights happen. So it's an okay learning experience because you're going to learn where that edge is. That's Dan Quinn, finding the edge, finding the intensity within your team. And Mike McCarthy, don't throw punches. Don't hit nobody. That's the difference between these coaches. One of them makes me want to play football. One of them says, don't throw punches. He doesn't, there's nothing in that. Say, he says, yeah, fights are good. He doesn't say, hey, man, we got to get to the edge. That's, it's just, if you want to tell me who, who makes me want to believe that they're ready to be a head coach of a football team and get a football team to play, I, I don't, I, I, and I, look, I can see the text like, they put the same ideas across, sure. But this is about being a, a champion. This isn't, this isn't somebody walking into your office and says, hey, can you knock out these uh, these five reports for me? Or somebody trying to make you and understand why those import- reports are important, why you have to get them done. You have to understand why you got why these things are necessary. Dan Quinn tells you why these are necessary. That's why he has a defense that believes in him. That's why he has a defense. That's why the media talks about how Dan Quinn, how people want to play for Dan Quinn. And the players have to tell the media how they want to play for Mike McCarthy because no one believes that you want to play for Mike McCarthy. He's a, he's a decent play caller. We're going to see how his play calling goes. I got a clip we're going to play in a second from Dak Prescott talking about his play calling. I'm not questioning his play calling. But is he a head coach or an offensive coordinator? That's the question. Because if he's an offensive coordinator, fine. But I, he can't be running a team and making the most important decisions and leading you into battle if he's just a glorified OC, if he's just a play caller now. That's the question for me. Here's Dan Quinn talking about his young players in camp. Shouts out. They ask him about Mozzie Smith. They ask him about uh, just the young players and how they're developing and how they learned in camp. Here's Dan Quinn talking about the young players on defense that are going to be the next generation Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for the line of scrimmage players, it's the big guys, it's the pass rushers. The game is different with Pats. And so now that we're pushing to see, yes, that's it. Examples from a a period of a nine on seven, a a padded practice to say, that's this technique. That's the one that you have to go with. And so we keep trying to find those windows, find the moments, not just for Mozzie, but I think for all of the front seven, it's it's Demo. And in a lot of ways, I've been really proud of Damone Clark. He didn't have a training camp to go through last year. And to see the two of them together, I texted them both um, last week. I felt their energy. I felt their speed on the field in the game and uh, I think that's kind of that's kind of a cool thing to have I know they're not in the same class but they're both you know learning some things in this camp together because of Damone not going through that together so those players with pads that's stuff to go I've seen in the spring there's some hesitation when you're not sure and so when you see the speed come out now as a coach I know the hesitation's gone and I've seen things not happen way more because of hesitation than speed. And so when guys can really go and really, you know, have the freedom to run and play and hit, uh, that's the stuff that lights me up. And we'll see more of that as we're going. Although, you know, we're leaving Oxnard, there's another moments next week. And I never felt like 
that's where your development stops at any player, just because you're leaving a training camp setting. Like, I'm hopeful that we'll say, man, by November, we're a lot better than we were in August. By December, we're better than we were in September. And I think if we keep pushing the guys in that space, we will get better. Dan Quinn there talking to the media after leaving camp about the young players, and I love it. This is this is what you want to see in camp, and he brings up the point. This is you don't get enough uh, in, in pads practices, but when you're doing them against your team and you can kind of run your speed and, and get things and slow it down for them enough so that they can learn, okay, this is why we're doing these things, this is where I need to be in this moment, and slow it down and then gradually speed it up for this team. That's how you can start to build, and what he says, which it's lose the hesitation. You know, when they, in any sport you play, that natural reaction, that natural, just instinctual reaction is so important to be to take your game to that next level. And in the NFL, the best players, they just have that all the time. You know, we, we talk about certain DBs that are like that. Trey Palomalu is one of those guys that is a Hall of Famer because there's zero hesitation ever. Everything he did, he knew what was happening, and his teammates said that he talked to God because he knew where he was going at all times. And that's that. what you talk about is that hesitation. Now, the young guys are not there yet, but you have to kind of get hit and get used to that kind of play. So it's nice to see that the young players are stepping up. He gets a shout-out to Demo there that he is going to be there, and Damone Clark as well. Uh, one other clip we want to play from Dan, uh, Dan Quinn is talking about Jerron Bland and his step-up. Uh, kind of helping out, and I uh, like I'll mention too. They, they ask about Kelvin Joseph, and he doesn't get this response. So we can see where Kelvin Joseph is. Deron Bland going to be a much bigger part of this defense. Here's Dan Quinn talking about Deron Bland. Yeah, that's a great point. We're talking about Deron. It probably refers if I just go back a step. You hope by November the player is better than they were in August. And I think Deron Bland lived that. Not to say he wasn't doing well, but we were sprinkling in some nickel. We were playing him outside, but sprinkling that in. And so then a little bit more, then a little bit more, then a little bit more. And so when he was called upon in his first call, um, he really responded. And this offseason, we've done him two spots again to say nickel and outside. And so he's a really uh, valuable guy for us. He is a uh, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The guy is an absolute competitor to his core, and he is really cool under pressure. The moments were never too big. Last year, I remember um, Jordan being injured in a pregame and said, Bland, you know, you're going to be up and we're going to go. Okay. And it wasn't like, what are you talking about? And so that was a good sign for me to know that he wasn't just acting cool. Like, he was prepared. He knew if that moment came, he would be ready to deliver, and he did. I'm not certain. I think he might have made an interception in the game um, in his first game to start. And so when you have guys like that that are really prepared, but uh, that type of competitor, I thought he's kind of a, you know, one of the guys on our team that really maybe they don't get all the news and attention, but they are really important about what we do. Yeah, and I mean, Dan Quinn goes on there. There's Dan Quinn at, uh, talking at the end of training camp, and he does go on to talk about Jordan Lewis and him recovering and how, how great that is. He talks about, of course, Micah Parsons at another level. We, we know that Demarcus Lawrence has had a great camp. So there's a lot of things happening right now that would tell you this defense for the Cowboys is poised to do big things. Now, can you stay healthy? Can you get the plays right? Talk about Leighton Van Der Esch playing at a high level. Everybody seems amped up for this defense. But the questions start coming to the offense, and it's not just Mike McCarthy. It's also Dak Prescott. That's where the questions lie. He threw too many interceptions last year. It was an anomaly. But can it stay an anomaly, or is it a trend going the other direction? Dak Prescott will talk uh, talk to the media as well. He uh, talked about Mike McCarthy and the play calling of Mike McCarthy, how it's a little bit different, and how it's starting to gel, how they're feeling about it, working in camp, even though he's not really taking preseason reps how he's getting used to Mike McCarthy calling plays. Here's Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes, uh, starts with the communication. Um, starts with the communication that we had way, way back in the spring with the way that he installed plays, with the way that uh, um, 
the way that he detailed the plays just in the installation of understanding the purpose within each play. So as those plays come in, uh, a lot of that's already been talked about, whether, hey, this is a shot, but, you know, if it's not there, get to the completion, or this is a ball-out play. Get the ball out of your hands. Get it to these playmakers. Um, so just not only with the play calling, but with the personnel, just different people we're putting on the field together. Uh, yeah, I've got a great idea. And then just being able to be on the headset uh, in this first game in the preseason and just the tempo and the pace that he's getting them in, um, it's exciting. And so, yeah, the more that – the more that I get to see that and the more we talk throughout the week, uh, I think that, yeah, we'll be in the same um, same realm of, of the mindset of when a play's coming in, knowing exactly what's coming, what's expected, and allowing us to play fast and uh, play to our strengths. So there we go. That Dak Prescott saying he's getting him in fast, which I know he, sound, he said he was overwhelmed, but he apparently is calling him pretty fast, which you're going to take Dak's word on that. I'll take his word on it, that, that he's calling those plays, he's getting them in, he's handling his business as a play caller, uh, he was asked in a little bit later if it was better or worse than Kellen Moore, and you know he didn't want to throw Kellen Moore under the bus. Understandably, that's still his friend. So you know he says, "Look, it's different, but it's Kellen Moore was doing it too." So not really what you get out of this after you get both questions is not a ton of change. But Mike McCarthy is not inept in play calling. He's he's able to handle play calling. He's doing it just fine. And as they continue to grow, you will there will be some. I'm sure learning experiences between Dak and Mike McCarthy, but he's on the headset so he can hear him. So there's just going to be some in-game things of maybe, you know, not necessarily agreeing with play calls. That'll happen. Dak Prescott also spoke on Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz leaving in free agency. The Cowboys need to have that. Dalton Schultz was a security blanket for Dak Prescott. So you know that he wants another tight end. Here's Dak Prescott on Jake Ferguson, who seems to be leading to be the starting tight end for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think he's there. Um, I think he's close to becoming a big time guy. I mean, as far as a playmaker, uh, he's there. Um, just the way the way in what he, he stepped in and he did what was asked for him last year and just the limited amount of reps to the role he's taken on coming into this season, uh, being the guy, being a tight end, being a big time tight end, being where I need him to be, communicating his ass off, uh, being on the same page, knowing what I expect of him, what the offense expects of him, being a, a great blocker, going back to his college days, something that you knew he could do, but really putting it all together. And then you see him make a great catch in that preseason game, a back shoulder. And I think that just shows you that, hey, you throw it to this guy he wants to make the play and he expects to make the play and I think that's where he, he takes this next step from just a playmaker to becoming a big time player in this league there's Dak Prescott talking about Jake Ferguson you can tell he says they asked him is he ready to take the next step is he ready to be the guy and Dak Prescott says oh yeah no he's ready so we see Jake Ferguson stepping up there there's a couple other positions that you're worried about he says Tony Pollard's doing great but there's one more clip I want to play you that they did a little bit in preseason and I'm going to be curious to see if they do this in the regular season. Because with all the new rule changes, kind of protecting players more, giving uh, giving a little bit more benefit of the doubt, trying to limit plays where someone really gets their head taken off. They played some packages in the game with Deuce Vaughn and Kevontae Turpin in the lineup. Two very big playmakers, two guys that are hard to keep in, you know, an arm on, keep, keep wrangled up, and if you let them in space, who knows what can happen. And instead of playing them separately, putting them together and kind of messing with defenses that you may have big guys out there to go play against Brandon Cooks and, and CeeDee Lamb, but now we're going to stick in two littler guys and let's see what they can do. Here's Dak Prescott talking about what can happen when you have Deuce Vaughn and Kevontae Turpin in the lineup at the same time. Uh, I mean, the height doesn't really matter. I mean, they understand uh, you don't want to – I mean, when I go to throw, I mean, that just goes back into – to quarterback school or the time that I spend in training of always changing up your targets um, to, to throwing into the net or whatever it may be. As you see a target, you're, you're hitting that target, whether it's high, whether it's low, whether you've got to put it up in the air for a got to jump or back shoulder. A lot of that just comes uh, naturally and then within the practice of the game. So, um, But when you're on the field with those two guys, for me, it is get it, get it to their hands as fast as I can. Um, and, and realize when they have a mismatch on the field is that's in benefit for them and put them in space that uh, a lot of guys aren't going to be able to tackle them in space. So that's a great package that we have and we'll continue to build off of it. It's a really interesting package with Deuce Vaughn and Kevontae Turpin because I feel like a lot of teams are going to drop back into more of a zone to try and just make sure that they don't get slip past, trying to make sure you have a backup plan. So this may be a package that on a third and five or six, when you go, man, we just need six yards. 
if we put these two guys in, they can't, they have to spread out enough that we can probably find a little space for one of these guys to pick up a third and fourth, third and four, third and six, something like that. That may be a weird little package, and no pun intended, but a weird little package of two guys that don't seem like they be NFL players because of their size that may be able to come into a game and really make a difference on on not even big plays, not even needing to break the house down, but if they can basically come across the middle, find a space in a zone because people are worried that two of these playmakers are on the field that are very elusive guys and maybe back off a little bit to try and not, you know, not get beat. You may be able to find a space to get four, five, six yards, and those guys are then just going to have to hold on to the ball as they get ragdolled by whoever defender comes and catches them. But I, I think that's something that could be interesting to see if they try and use them instead of in a massive, hey, let's try and make a big play, which you can do with them separately, but together really trying to push a defense's boundaries of do you are you going to really try and play man and try and play one-on-one with two amazing playmakers who are both a very elusive and both – you know, just very quick. It's it's an interesting idea, and if it works, it's going to look really cool and great. But you got to hold on to that ball because they're going to come after you at that point. All right, let's move over. Big fat poll of the day yesterday. We asked you. Uh, I've forgotten the big fat poll of the day yesterday, guys. This is we get too far into it. Uh, the big fat poll of the day yesterday. I will tell you the results of that in just a minute. But I believe. Uh, it was Mike McCarthy. It was a, which NFL coach is on the hot seat? Sorry, guys. Which NFL coach is on the hot seat, uh, the biggest hot seat going into the season? Uh, you guys voted for Mike McCarthy. I'm not sure if he's on the biggest. I think Brandon Staley probably is still on the biggest hot seat. But I put Mike McCarthy up there because I don't think he's going to finish. I don't think he's finishing the season as a Cowboys head coach. So he's definitely on one. But that may just be me. Jerry Jones doesn't normally like to do that. But considering as a head coach and waiting at Dan Quinn, it may be easier this year. But let's get today's big fat poll of the day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day. We're going to play some Sark audio before their second scrimmage of the Texas Longhorns. And he talks a little bit about it in his presser. We'll play that audio for you in a little bit. But I want to know, because these guys are getting playing time right now and people are fighting for depth chart position, which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season? 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. How you can text us in. Which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season? Is it an Anthony Hill, Leona LaFowle, with linebacker, Jonte Cook come in? Does he get some playing time at wide receiver? C.J. Baxter, does he come in? We'll t- Sark talks about running backs. Does C.J. Baxter take that room? Does he earn it? Does he go get it if, if Jonathan Brooks can't can't take it from him? Does C.J. Baxter take it? Malik Muhammad, defensive back, does he step in? You got Colton Vasek, Sadir Mitchell on the D-line. The whole, I mean, a bunch of offensive linemen. If they get in the starting rotation, they're top five. Jaden Chapman, Peyton Kirkland, Trevor Gooseby, Andre Kojo. Any of those guys could be big. And, man, if you want to, throw in Arch. I'm not saying Arch is going to have it. I don't think Arch plays this year. I don't want him to. If Arch plays this year, something's gone wrong. But which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season? Text us in, 512-337-3776. When we come back, Eddie Cross from Fight Night is going to be talking about the big UFC 292, what's happening in the world of MMA. There's lawsuits. There's players. There's people coming back. There's gimmick promotions. All of that coming up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn.
Back here on the sports complex on the horn. Waiting to get back with Eddie. He is working out some technical issues. He'll be with us shortly. Eddie Cross talking some UFC 292. Uh, we'll get back to the text. By the way, it is a 512 Friday. So we are playing some local bands that you can go check out around town this weekend. You can check out a giant dog. This is a giant dog. They're doing their album release party. They're doing their album release party uh, this uh, tonight at the parish. You can check out this is a giant dog though for you on a five one two Friday here on the Horn, and I believe we have Eddie Cross joining us now. Remember, you can join the conversation five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Eddie Cross, you know from Fight Nights. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever it is at Eddie Experience. And uh, Big Fight UFC 292 coming out uh, this Saturday. Eddie, are you there? I'm here. There How's you go. Going? I'm doing good. Welcome to Sports Complex, Eddie. Hey, man. Nice to be here. Well, Eddie, uh, so Big Fight uh, happening this weekend for uh, UFC. Uh, some really good fights. A lot of guys, when you look up uh, the guys, the people who have won Fight of the Night, there's a lot on this card. Uh, the main event. We will talk, we'll start off with the main event. Yeah, Sean O'Malley. Versus Al Jermaine yeah, Sterling. versus Al Jermaine Sterling is basically a movie plot waiting to happen. It's basically, you're, you're watching a movie. You've got the, the under-respected champion who's done nothing but have, like, the longest win streak in Bantamweight history and have the most title defenses consecutively in Bantamweight history going up against Dana White's chosen one, Sean O'Malley, who's, uh, what, 16-1-1, came up on Dana White's contender series just knocking people out you know, putting up highlight after highlight, and now it's kind of turned into this big star with his own podcast and lots of pink hair and pink Lamborghinis and hanging out <laughs> with, uh, with questionable rappers. Questionable um, rappers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, this is, a, this is a big step because he has been set up to, to take this route, and we know Aljamain Sterling has basically knocked he's, – he's the most in Bantamweight – uh, most title defenses in a row in bantamweight history. It's only three, but it's still the most. Uh, yeah. He's he's killing yeah. it right now. And then they say he's beaten four of the top five contenders, and and the fifth one he doesn't want to fight because they're like brothers, so they don't want to fight. But Sean O'Malley, mm-hmm. this is a big fight for him. Is this if he wins this? If Sean O'Malley can win this, does he does he kind of go in as a poster boy of UFC now? Even though he does have everything out, they kind of use him as hey, this is now somebody we really want to push. Oh, they really want to push him even before this. But if Sean O'Malley wins this, dare I say it, he enters Conor McGregor territory. Okay. Because just like Conor, he was kind of spoon-fed opponents. And like like I said, he was kind of pointed out as the chosen one. And if he gets this title, he is entering that sphere. And God help us. (laughs) If if you're like me and you you don't enjoy the smack talk as much, uh, we're in for it if Sean O'Malley wins this one. Yeah, no, I, I uh, it's, it's, it seems like everything is being set up, but Aljamain Sterling is, is just really fighting really well right now, and he's had that 893 day reign. So that should tell you anytime you start to get and start getting close to four digits on a title reign, it, it gets pretty impressive. Uh, if he, if Sean, if he beats Sean O'Malley, he handles his business, he wins the fight. Who's next in line for a shot at Bantamweight? Oh, man. Well, the question is, you know, will he ever be willing to fight his, uh, his teammate and partner, Marab Devalshvili? And right now the answer is kind of no. But he is the number one ranked contender. But as teammates, they don't want to fight each other. Uh, he's already beaten Peter Yan at five, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, it could be Cheeto Vera. Marlon Vera is opening up the pay-per-view at Bantamweight against Pedro Munoz. So he is currently ranked uh, number six. So he could be next. But I get the feeling that after this fight, Sterling's going to take a vacation. He's going to take a vacation? Because he just fought in May. Yeah, he just fought in May. And most champions don't turn around this quickly. But the UFC is now basically a slave to its own schedule. And they needed a champion for this card. And they had him penciled in. Or they had this, at least his belt penciled in for Boston this weekend. Yeah. And if he hadn't, if he hadn't agreed to fight on this night, they would have made O'Malley uh, an interim title shot. Okay, so and, and now, Dana White would have been running him down so much. <laughs> is this a thing too? Since O'Malley is such the 
the po the the you know teacher's pet for for Dana White. Is this a thing that if the fight is somewhat close, like if it goes to decision, if any of that happens, is there a chance that they just try and run this back? Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. If it's if it's really close, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's also in Boston. Yeah. And I don't want to say you know the Massachusetts guys are. And I'm gonna say they're not up on the up and up, but he is an O'Malley. I'll just say that when uh, when Jack Harlow showed up at a Celtics game, all the other rappers had to tell him that uh, rappers don't go to Boston. That was yeah. that rappers don't go to Boston games is what he was told. That we'll just say that 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 should give you enough context what we're talking about. Uh, talking to Eddie Cross, yeah. uh, follow at Fight Night ATX and at Eddie Experience is how you can follow Eddie Cross. Uh, so what else is in the co-main event? You have a, a women's strawweight title bout. What to, what's to watch for in that fight? Oh, the co-main event might steal the show, dude. Uh, Zhang Wiley is a two-time strawweight champ, and she is just powerful everywhere. And this might be the, one of the first times, maybe in strawweight history, where both women have fight-changing power. The strawweight, is, it's 115 pounds. They're very small, especially after they cut weight. So both of them coming into the fight might weigh a buck and a quarter. Okay, so after they rehydrate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so usually at that size, you don't get fight-changing power. But both these ladies, Wiley and Amanda Lemos from Brazil, both of them have that kind of power. And this one could be a banger. There you go. It's, I know. Yeah. It, all right, so what other fights on this card would you say are the ones you got to watch? Uh, that one, let's see. Uh, like I said, Marlon Vera and Pedro Munoz opening up the pay-per-view. That one's going to be really good. But also, kind of in the middle of the main card, Ian Machado-Gary versus Neil Magny. Uh, Ian Machado-Gary, he's another one that is kind of um, earmarked for stardom. He's, uh, he's from Ireland also. Nowhere near as annoying as Conor McGregor yet. But he's getting there. He's not he's there yet. There. He's but he's, up against- he's one of the guys that Dana White is telling, hey, if you, if you get a little bit more obnoxious, you may get some more money in your fights. And he's working on it, let me tell you. <laughs> but he's facing Neil Magny, who is, um, you call him a journeyman, but he's um, a few years back, I labeled him as my fighter of the year for winning five fights in one year. Jeez. Which, let me tell you, does not happen often at no, all. No, that does not seem likely. That, that's one of those ones you're like, how many fights do you have? Seven. Like, how many did you win? None. <laughs> they yeah. just kept sending me back out there. Yeah, but he is basically the gatekeeper of the division. I never fought for a title, but he will. Uh, you come up there too cocky, and he will knock you back down to size. So that one's kind of a uh, prove-it fight for Ian Machado, Gary. And then at the top of the main, top of the prelim card, former middleweight champ Chris Weidman coming off a uh, nasty broken leg. Yeah, no, nasty does not. Nasty is does not make two years. It's been over. Two, yeah. You fought what April of 2021? Basically a basically a toothpick leg break where your leg snaps in half there. And then didn't heal right. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, is, is he going to be able to? I mean, he's 39 years old, so he's already kind of on the back end of a, a career anyway. Is he going to be able to make any sort of comeback? Do you have any faith in him in this fight? Uh, not really. I mean, honestly, he wasn't doing that great before the leg break. He'd lost three out of four. Yeah. And then, let's see, six out of eight. So he wasn't doing well beforehand. But I think this is more of a um, – I don't want to go out like that fight. Yeah, yeah. Get one more win like, and try and walk away as a winner as, as opposed to, or at least just not be carted out of the ring. Exactly. At least just show that you're still alive, you're still here, and you don't want that to be the last time people see you. There you go. All right, we'll come back and we'll do some predictions at the end of the phone call. But we got Eddie Cross from Fight Night, Fight Night ATX, uh, at Fight Night ATX, and at Eddie X Experience to follow him. Uh, but let's talk about some other things happening in the MMA world. Uh, we know that uh, John Jones basically came out today. John Jones, Colby Covington came out and said that John Jones has knocked him off a card and said that John Jones will not fight on the same card. John Jones, of course, is, you know, the one of the biggest names in MMA right now. So mm-hmm. he can he can pull his rank. Is When you have a fight like this, these guys aren't close to the same weight. This is not a fight that can ever happen in the MMA world. Because, no, it's not. Because I mean, it would have to. Uh, there's a big backstory with those two. No, and I get there's. They a, were. Um, go for it. They were they were roommates in college, so they've probably seen each other at their worst. Because, you know, 
when you know someone in college, you've pretty much seen, you've got the best stories about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. You've seen them at their best, you've seen them at their worst, you've seen them do the dumbest things possible that a, you know, 18, 19 year old can do. And if we if we know what, if we've seen what Colby Covington does on TV on purpose and what John Jones gets reported in the news, I can count, yeah. I bet they do a bunch of dumb stuff. Exactly. And Colby is saying John doesn't want him on the card because he's going to embarrass him in the press conferences. But let's just face it, Colby's Kobe's a D-bag, and yeah, I don't think anyone really wants to be around him, period, <laughs> especially when you're over here playing a part to, um, to hype yourself up. You're going to tear down anyone that's in the, uh, anyone in the area. So, so I wouldn't want him near me either. So I, I'm a wrestling guy, and, and there's always this thing where you're not supposed to build up feuds that you can't, you can't ever make money on. It doesn't make sense. Right. And I just don't get this. And I get what I think Kobe Covington knows enough what he's doing to say, all right, I'll be able to do this. And, you know, if I win, great. But even if I lose, I'll be able to keep getting fights for a while because people just want to see me lose or people want to see me win if they're those people too. But I, is these things, if you're Dana White, do you have to walk in and go, hey, man, no more, like, do, save that for the people you're fighting? I can't make any money off of you two arguing. It doesn't do me any good. Or, do they do it where it, is this all setting up for a reality one of the the like, ultimate fighter shows? No, the ultimate fighter they use and they usually have a blow off where the coaches face each other. So they can't so do that either. That's yeah. not going to be useless useful in this case. Um, I think this is one of those things that Dana can't control. Yeah, it's uh, Kobe hasn't been in the news much lately. Okay, um, he's supposed to have a welterweight title shot against Leon Edwards in London at some point, but they haven't uh, signed it up officially yet. So I don't even know why he's bringing this up, considering that he's supposed to fight in London. Well, that's the, uh, that's the plan, at least for now. So I don't know why it's even an issue. No, I don't either. Uh, but Colby hasn't been talked about in a while. That's probably That makes the most sense, is that he just wants his name back in the news. Uh, someone else who loves their name in the news, Conor McGregor. Uh, they, uh-huh. they're, they're supposed to fight Michael Chandler. Uh, that came out this week that now they don't know if it's even going to happen this year. It may wait till next year because he's going to have to get an exemption because he's not going to do the drug testing. And what a surprise. He doesn't want to do the drug testing when he bulked up massively. Connor did. Is, is this fight ever going to happen? Or is this just more hype from Connor McGregor to keep his name in the press as long as it can, but he's never going to do the testing. He's never going to get clean to do the fight. Is this fight going to happen? Man, that is a great question. Because this is one situation that we haven't seen before, where someone that everyone's pretty sure has been using steroids when he quote-unquote retired to actually heal from his leg break. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he got his leg snapped in half against Dustin Poirier. So everyone, everyone's pretty sure he allegedly, i got to put that in quotes, allegedly <laughs> has been roaring up. Um, but he's basically jumped up weight class. Yeah. And he's put on... He's, just like like the Conor McGregor version of Barry Bonds now. Yeah, he, he like yeah he looks like Mark McGuire when he was hitting all them home runs. Yeah, you put his picture from two years ago and this picture now side by side, they look like um, a bigger brother maybe. <laughs> it does, it does. So I, is it? So everyone's kind of waiting on him to. I don't know if he's trying to cycle off and you know see for himself that he's clean before he gets to that testing pool. But if he wants to fight this year, there's definitely going to have to be an exception made by the UFC from their of their own policies. And they'll do it because it's Connor, and Dana yeah. doesn't really care about the rules. Well, no, he and just puts them in place for PR. And that's the thing is Dana is Dana White is one of the alleged scummiest people on earth. Uh, but he knows, <laughs> you know, and, and this is, you know, there's a class action suit that just got that's just recently was in the news that they gave it class certification of the lawsuit. It's been eight years in the making of basically fighters saying Dana White has been screwing us out of money. Uh, you have Francis Ngannou who goes off and creates, which I love the name of it, gimmick fighting, because Dana White <laughs> called it gimmick, with with the names of, hey man, if we can become a star in UFC, we can maybe go off and do something else, and this classic, is there going to be a change in UFC or MMA, or is Dana White and UFC basically just saying, we can fight this off for the next five, ten years, so why do we need to change anything? Uh, they were definitely going to spend as much money as they can fighting it off, Um they're already lobbying Congress. They've been lobbying for years to keep this stuff uh, down as it is. So they're not going to give up easily, even though it will only cost them maybe $20 million 
a year. Well, but I mean, I'm, it's uh, more well, about. Actually, I don't want to get into numbers. Well, no, yeah. it, it only but matters. I'm talking. Talk I'm talking more about the future of UFC and MMA. Is there going to be a point where they're going to have to start paying play, fighters a little bit more, or are fighters going to continue to try and walk away? Now we know Derek Lewis just came back, and he probably could have done something else, but it would have been a one and done. So, but he signs an eight fight deal. You know, Conor McGregor's still talking about doing stuff there. So a lot of guys are still doing stuff there. And Ganu's the only one who really walked away. Do you, do you think people are going to walk away more? Or is this UFC understands how to keep their people? If people do leave, it can only be at the highest level. Yeah. Um, the people you're talking about, Conor, Francis Ganu, Nate Diaz, who just fought Jake Paul for like $20 million. Yep. Uh, those are the few people who can let their contract expire and go do something else. Pretty much everyone else, even Derek Lewis, he might have had a possibility of maybe facing it in Ganu and the PFL with a with a pretty big guarantee. But I don't know for a fact, but I just know that Dana told him that if you do that, I'm not resigning you ever. Yeah. So it so was it's it, like one fight over here for a couple mil, or eight fights over here where you could probably make maybe eight million. Yeah, and get the sponsorships so, and stretch it out for a lot longer and be in the eye and keep the sponsorship money for a little bit longer. No, exactly. I get it. So at We're, some point they'll start paying them more, but not tomorrow. The other issue is that <laughs> yeah, definitely not tomorrow. Fighters also have this um, me against the world mentality where yeah. they think they can just do anything themselves. So they're so used to it being such a individual sport and doing everything themselves that when someone else tries to like get everyone together, if someone offers this guy over here more money than he's seen in forever, they're just going to take the fights over here, and there's no. You can't, you don't, no one calls fighters scabs for breaking a picket line. That's you know? true. There's, there's no such thing. Yeah, everybody is their own person. Talking to Eddie yeah, Cross. come together themselves. We're talking to Eddie Cross from Fight Night. You can follow Fight Night at Fight Night ATX, and you can follow Eddie at, at Eddie Experience with the letter X. Uh, Eddie Experience is where you can find it. Eddie, before we let you go, right. give us a pick or two that people can really pick and feel good about for the fight tomorrow for USC 292. Oh, man. You know, if you got uh, 20 bucks, you never want to see again. <laughs> I would put it on Aljamain Sterling to beat Sean O'Malley. Okay. It's a classic striker versus grappler matchup. And Sterling is a great wrestler, great jiu-jitsu uh, fighter. And O'Malley just has to m- miss one before Sterling is all over him, dragging him to the ground and jumping on his back. So my money would be on Sterling. Um, if you look at the, uh, the co-main event with the women, uh, Wiley Zhang is she is tough, man. I would put money on her in a heartbeat and facing anyone except Rose Namajunas. Yeah, and I love that one. Apparently, is even odds as well. So I, I like both those picks. Eddie Cross, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure we'll have you on again when we get some more good MMA news happening. Uh, appreciate. It. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, Pat. Eddie Cross, there you can follow him at Eddie Experience and at Fight Night ATX is where to follow them. Uh, to keep up with all your UFC news. When we come back, we will talk about our big fat poll of the day. Which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season? You can text us in 512-337-3776. That's how you can join in the conversation. We'll be right back to read some of your text right here on the Sports Complex, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and a Horn FM. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back at the Sports Complex on a 5-1-2 Friday. Playing you some Dangerous Toys. Dangerous Toys is going to be Come and Take It Live tomorrow night. I know they, they've kind of been Dallas, Austin. I know the guys live here now because I see them around town. You see Jason McMaster running around. One of the nicest guys you'll meet in rock and roll, Jason McMaster. Dangerous Toys there playing tomorrow night at Come and Take It Live. If you want to go check out an awesome rock show, remember you the good old days. Go check that out. We're asking about the big fat poll of the day today. Which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season? You guys can join the conversation. 512-337-3776. I gave you plenty of options. There's plenty of freshmen who could make an impact. Now, a lot of these guys may not really play that much, but some of them are. We get an Arch Manning. Again, I'm hoping Arch Manning doesn't play. Because if Arch Manning plays, it means that things have gone wrong for Texas, it means that Quinn Ewers wasn't playing at a high level. It means Malik Murphy probably wasn't playing at a high level. We may have gone through two quarterbacks or two injuries. I don't want to think about either one of those things. 
So I'm hoping it's not him. I'm hoping he has an amazing redshirt freshman or sophomore. You know, I hope he plays very well when he gets in the opportunity. We had a toss-up between Anthony Hill and Jontae Cook. Hill on defense, Cook on offense. I, yeah, I think Anthony Hill is definitely somebody that people are really thinking is going to be able to get some playing time at linebacker. And if he's able to step it up and uh, make some impact there, he'll be getting more and more playing time, kind of filling in that uh, over Sean role and what he can do there. And Jontae Cook, we just know, you know, Sark loves a good wide receiver. We know what Xavier Worthy did his freshman year. Now he didn't have nearly as much competition. A.D. Mitchell's there and, you know, uh, Jordan Winnington, Xavier. It, but I still think he could have some. And we had this, Cook playing wide receiver and rece- returning punts. If he's a return man, too, definitely gives you some options. Colton Vasek, I have a feeling that Colton Vasek, this texter, may be, may be a Westlake person. I don't know. But look, you know, the edge rushing for Texas hasn't been great. Colton Vasek could step in, and if he takes it to another level, I don't know if he's ready to go. I haven't heard a ton of talk about him being ready to make a, a week one impact. And, you know, there are some other guys this D-line continues to grow. We got, uh, what's the name of the song by the Giant Dog? They're playing tonight at the Parish doing their CD release. That song was called Different Than. Their new album is called Bite, if you want to check that out. Another one for Anthony Hill. You can join the conversation, 512-337-3776, to let us know who you think is going to be, which Longhorn freshman will have the biggest impact this season. We'll take some of your answers, put them up on a poll, and we'll put that up on social media when we get off the air. Here, we're off at 8, we're off at 6.30 for uh, Texas Rangers basketball. Uh, Baseball, sorry about that. Texas Rangers baseball at 6.30. Uh, so we're going to come back. We're going to play some Sark audio, getting ready for the second scrimmage of spring football that is happening this Saturday. Here's some Sark audio. We'll be playing that when we come back here on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, hornfm.com, and the Horn app.